Hi everybody, this is Patrick. Welcome to Ancient Heroes. Today we're going to talk about Atlantis. So over the last few weeks I've been listening to and watching and reading as much as I can about Atlantis. Everything from the ancient sources to the YouTubers putting out theories on where they believe Atlantis may be. And I just wanted to sort of distill all of the basics about what we actually know about Atlantis and what this debate is actually about into a short podcast episode. Because I think one of the tricky things about Atlantis and certain other subjects that generate a lot of different theories and uh, debate and that kind of thing is that they're they're often happening in a vacuum. And if you're a listener who, let's say you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, you might tune into an episode where they're talking about Atlantis. And the case that a person will make, it sounds extremely convincing that they have found where Atlantis was or that they really know what happened to the supposed lost civilization of Atlantis. And that's because oftentimes as a listener, you don't really know the fundamentals of the Atlantis story and the context. So without any context, listening to any single person who's pretty charismatic, who has a compelling idea, is going to be convincing. And we all kind of fall victim to that. I certainly do. So I wanted to do sort of a primer on Atlantis, just in Atlantis 101, so that we can establish what do we actually know and what is this debate all about. I will give my thoughts on it and kind of my personal opinion on what Atlantis was and that kind of thing at the end, but I'm really not going to try to persuade listeners one way or another on it, and I'm not going to go through every different theory. Of course, that would take hours and hours and hours. But so this isn't really a persuasive thing. It's more about what was Atlantis, what is Atlantis, and what is this debate all about? So I'm going to start out with some of the things that we definitely know about Atlantis, and then I'm going to talk about what do the mainstream experts, the historians, the academics, those kind of people, what do they think about Atlantis? And then I'm going to talk a little bit about what I call the outsiders, which some pe- you know is a mixture of pseudo-archaeologists, independent researchers, conspiracy theorists, uh, that kind of thing. I'm not saying it all in a negative way. Some of these people are legit. Some aren't legit. You know, some are taking a good faith perspective and some aren't. So I'm not you know, saying it all in a negative way. I'll just say the outsiders, people that aren't, you know, uh, historians and academics at top universities and stuff like that, but that are nonetheless exploring the Atlantis issue. What do they think and what are some of their theories? So, okay, starting out, what we know. A really important aspect of the whole Atlantis story and debate and subject in general is that there's really only one primary source we have on Atlantis. And this is something that I didn't realize when I first started looking into this, but there's only really one primary source, at least one source that has survived, and that is the philosopher Plato. Uh, Plato was a philosopher in 4th century BC, Greece, and he wrote a lot of material that we have. You know, he's a source on a lot of different ideas and uh, philosophical debates and things like that from the ancient world. And in two of his dialogues, which were 
basically f- sort of semi-fabricated or completely fabricated um, conversations. We don't exactly know uh, how historical some of these conversations are, but they were really a way that he wrote about subjects by by creating dialogues. And um, this meant that there'd be a small group of people, often including Socrates uh, and others, who would be debating or talking about some kind of issue. And in two of those dialogues, the Timaeus and the Critias, which he wrote around 360 BC, he talks about Atlantis, or at least the characters in the dialogues talk about Atlantis. So in, in, this dialogue, in these dialogues, the character Critias tells Socrates that he actually has an example of an ancient uh, conflict. And this ancient conflict that he talks about is the conflict between a prehistoric Athens and a place called Atlantis and the people of Atlantis. And he and one fascinating aspect of this is that according in this dialogue, the way that the story comes down to Critias is that an ancient Greek named Solon, who lived hundreds of years before Critias, went and visited Greece, went and visited Egypt, I'm sorry. And he hears a story from a priest in Egypt who passes it along to Solon. Solon returns to Greece, and then Solon passes it on. And over the generations, it comes down to Critias in this dialogue. So already we have kind of this word of mouth story that is hundreds of years old already and isn't written down or anything like that. And so already there's, it's, it strains credulity a little bit. And what Critias says is that he was a young boy when his grandfather told him this story. So this is a story that he learned as a young boy. And the idea here, which I'll talk more about later, is that Egypt had a much older civilization than the classical Greeks. So when Solon went to Egypt, he was able to gain knowledge about this much older conflict and in, in these much older civilizations because the Greeks didn't they they didn't track their history that far back. And that leads to the next point is that one thing we also know is that in these dialogues Plato gives us an actual date and location for Atlantis. And the date that he gives us of this conflict between Atlantis and a prehistoric Athens was around 9,000 years before the time of Solon, which was around 600 BC. So we're looking at around 9,600 BC would be an approximate date that Atlantis existed. And the location that he gives for it is outside of the Pillars of Hercules, which was near the Strait of Gibraltar. So this was at the entrance of the Mediterranean Sea, so in the Atlantic Ocean. So he gives a pretty clear location. Now this has been debated exactly what, you know, exactly the location that he's giving, but this is what he says in this, uh, in this dialogue. So we actually have a date and a location for Atlantis. And 
Plato, in this dialogue, also gives a pretty intricate description of what Atlantis was like. He talks about the mythological history even of Atlantis and gives it kind of a founding story where Poseidon, the the Olympian god, was sort of the, um, was granted Atlantis when the gods split up the different parts of the earth. And his son, Poseidon's son, Atlas, was the first and greatest king of Atlantis. And it was the Atlas dynasty that always was the leading king on this island of Atlantis. And that's another thing he says. It was a giant island. There were 10 kings. um, And like I said, Atlas was the main king to start and then his family. Um, The capital was this sort of citadel-like place that was built into a mountain at the center of the city. And it was surrounded by three moats three circular moats. He tells us that the island of Atlantis was rich in natural resources like wood and precious metals, that they mastered carpentry and architecture and had beautiful palaces and canals and bridges and temples. And he goes into great detail on some of these things, more detail than I expected, frankly, before I started looking into this. Uh, There is quite a bit of detail, but you can read it in 10 or 15 minutes. So I, I highly recommend that if you're really interested in this, that you just read the account of Critias in this dialogue by Plato. Um, He describes Atlantis as a seafaring empire that began to conquer areas, you know, outside of their primary island. And eventually they attacked this prehistoric Athenian civilization. And in this story, the Athenians defeat the Atlantis empire. And afterwards, the gods... After they've defeated Atlantis, afterwards the gods sort of turn uh, against Atlantis. And earlier on in their history, the Atlanteans were noble and they were generous and they were living in virtue. But eventually, somewhere along the line, they became less godlike and they started giving into their basic instincts more and became more greedy and less virtuous and all those things. And after they were defeated by the Athenians, the gods uh, wreaked havoc on their civilization and created these natural disasters and earthquakes and floods and eventually basically sunk the entire civilization. So that's kind of the, the end of the story. One interesting thing about the account of Atlantis is it just stops before the end. Like it just basically cuts off, if not mid-sentence, then without a conclusion. So at some point, Plato was writing this and basically it appears gave up on finishing his account. And we don't know why that may be the case. Um, So other things that we know about the Atlantis legend... There are many elements of this that appear to be false, and it's difficult to debate the reality of what Atlantis was like, um, but the whole way that Atlantis is described is in contrast to a prehistoric Athens, but we don't have evidence of this prehistoric Athens. This seems to be something that Plato invented to compare these different civilizations, So it's pretty evident that whether or not 
someone, you know, wherever someone stands on the Atlantis debate in general, it's pretty evident that aspects of this story and the dialogue are invented by Plato. Um, one interesting element of all this is that the ancient people, the ancient historians and authors and philosophers and things like that, were also puzzled by this entire account. So they didn't know if Plato was drawing on actual history and an actual story that he had inherited from Egypt over many generations, or if he was inventing all of it himself. So there was debate among the ancient people about what Plato, about whether or not Atlantis was real or uh, was fiction. And so obviously that debate continues today. So ever since Plato wrote this, essentially, people have been debating why did he write this and what elements of this could be possibly real. One other thing that we know, and some might disagree with this, but I'm going to throw it in as something that we know, that no smoking gun has been discovered proving the existence of Atlantis. Now, there might be some interesting circumstantial things out there that are presented by various uh you know, researchers and, um, you know, the part of the outsider group that I mentioned, uh, who some would say are pseudo archaeologists and con artists and everything like that. Um, and just people that just don't know what they're talking about in some cases. Uh, so there have, you know, there may, they may believe there's very good circumstantial evidence, but no smoking gun has been discovered. And what I mean by that is some kind of material culture of Atlantis that definitively shows that there was a civilization that we did not know about that was a dominant massive empire in this area of the world back during that time period um, around 9,600 BC. That has not been discovered. We don't have a ship or a bridge or any other, or a palace or any other kind of artifact or, you know, remains or whatever that current day scientists and historians are like, wow, we don't know what this is. We can't identify this. Even if they don't think it's Atlantis, they still can't identify it. We don't have anything like that. So there's nothing that seems to have survived of the material culture of Atlantis that has been discovered yet. So, um, and some may say that's because it's buried at the bottom of the ocean and that kind of thing. I'm just making the point that no smoking gun has been discovered. And now let's talk about what the mainstream experts think about Atlantis. So I've listened to a number of different things. There's a great BBC In Our Time panel episode about Atlantis that I highly recommend you look that up, look up that podcast episode. It's probably 45 minutes or an hour long, and it's, it's really good. They dive deep into Plato and all these questions we're asking about why he may have written it. Um, you know, what his motives were and that kind of thing. And I listened to it a couple times, actually. And one of the individuals from that panel is going to come on the podcast soon and talk more about Plato and some of the motivations here and what she thinks might be behind some of the Atlantis legend. Um, but if you can't wait for that, check out the BBC podcast episode in our time on Atlantis. Um, but basically what you'll find, any of the... Uh, mainstream experts on this basically believe that Plato made the vast majority of his dialogue about Atlantis up. 
And the debate is not whether or not Atlantis was real in the way that Plato describes it as this dominant civilization in the Atlantic Ocean that was conquering Egypt and parts of Africa and uh, parts of the you know Mediterranean world and then was defeated by the prehistoric Athens and you know all these elements of Atlantis about how amazing the civilization was and the natural resources and all these things. They're not debating whether or not that concept of Atlantis was real. They're debating whether or not there is any historical inspiration for this legend. So the debate is along the lines of, well, maybe Plato drew from his knowledge of this city-state or that was destroyed or um, or folklore that came down from the Minoan or Mycenaean era, and he took that as a grain of inspiration. So it really, the debate really is more along the lines of, was there any historical inspiration for Atlantis, or is this something Plato did purely out of a creative writing kind of exercise, and he invented 99% of it up out of his own head? So... Um, let's talk for a second about what some of the experts think could have been an inspiration. So the experts that do think there was some historical inspiration, they mention um, the Minoan culture on Crete, uh, the island of Crete. This was a um, uh, an ancient uh, Greek or um, Greek-adjacent culture on the island of Crete that was around the same time as the Mycenaean era, which we've talked about in this podcast. So this goes back to the legendary heroes and King Minos and, uh, you know, in the, in the labyrinth and all of that. It goes back into that kind of era that um, the ancient Greeks invented legends about, the classical Greeks, I should say, invented legends about, but they didn't really know what happened during that era before their time. So there was something called the Minoan culture, and there was a major volcanic eruption that happened around 1600 BC that uh, destroyed um, uh, some of that culture. And so that could be uh, one of the inspirations, possibly some of that folklore, some of that storytelling may have trickled down into Egypt and then um, you know, somehow uh, got to Plato at some point. So that's possible. There was a city-state called Helik, H-E-L-I-K-E, that was destroyed by an earthquake uh, and a tsunami around 373 BC. So pretty close to the time Plato was writing this. So this was a a Greek city-state that was destroyed in a similar fashion as the one he's describing. Um, And I haven't looked into this city-state that much, but I do think there are some other possible parallels to Atlantis. Um, So that could have definitely been the inspiration for the way that Atlantis was destroyed and swallowed up by the ocean, basically. Um, The experts talk about the Phoenicians because they were a seafaring uh, culture that explored areas of the Mediterranean. They also talk about how the way that the Athenians are contrasted with the Atlanteans is sort of a parallel to the Greco-Persian wars and the Persians who were coming in who had this... um, very rich, um, on some level, ostentatious kind of grand culture. Um, And uh, they were coming in trying to conquer Greece. 
that that could have been a parallel for the Atlanteans who were coming in and also trying to conquer uh, prehistoric Athens. So that's another parallel. And they've also even talked about the Trojan War in a similar the legends of the Trojan War as a similar kind of inspiration where you have this quote-unquote barbarian type um, culture that's non-Greek that's coming in and uh, or at least uh, having a major conflict with the Greek culture. In the case of the Trojan War, it was the Greeks going there, obviously. Um, And the experts have also talked about uh, that Plato had his own travels as well and that he may have been inspired by some of the things that he saw in the architecture and culture on his own trip to the island of Sicily um, that happened before he wrote these dialogues. So there are a bunch of different contenders for what could have inspired Plato to write about this. Um, But like I said, historians debate this. And I should say that Plato in the dialogue Uh, makes it clear that the character talking about Atlantis believes this is real history. And Critias says multiple times that this really happened. This is true. This is real history. Um, And so uh, he really stresses that point. And some people take that at face value, whereas other people take that as sort of a literary device that he was trying to illustrate some of his philosophical points that he wanted to make about about societies and imperialism and government and these different things. Uh, uh, and that he had talked about that in his dialogues and he had talked about it in sort of uh, conceptual terms and the ideal societies and stuff like that, but he had never really shown it in a tangible way. And the, the whole legend of Atlantis was about him putting these ideas into a actual story. And then to give it more credibility, he just kept reiterating, this is real history, I'm telling you. So this isn't just me philosophizing about things, or this isn't just a philosophical conversation we're having about hypotheticals. This is actual history. So that um, is the way that experts interpret that. So now let's talk about what the outsiders think about the Atlantis uh, story. Um, They take... Critias at his word that this is real history. They, by and large, think that Atlantis was a real place, a real historical civilization, and that Plato was relaying you know, actual history in these dialogues. Um, one of the big ways that they try to show that and prove that is by connecting uh, the date, that 9,600 BC date, to actual cataclysms that may have happened in different nearby regions of the world. So they try to show that 9,600 BC was the date of major flooding or ma- or major meteor impacts that changed the environment and would have actually been able to sort of cause a civilization like Atlantis to be destroyed. Um, I think by and large, they sort of put Atlantis out there as this highly technologically sophisticated advanced civilization. And so it would take a major catastrophe a major cataclysm to destroy that. And so they try to line that up with natural disasters. Um, In their account, all the evidence of Atlantis, the direct evidence basically was destroyed in this major cataclysm. And um, some of them believe that it was basically because of 
you know, and, and, and I don't know all of the details of these theories inside and out. I have listened to some of them, but I, you're going to have to seek that out to hear the full explanation. But they talk about continental shifting and glaciers and meteor impacts and the Younger Dryas impact hypothesis, which is an idea that a major change in the, the climate and the uh, cycle of the ice ages was affected by a, a meteor impact which is an actual scientific debate, um, but they sort of uh, they they talk about these things as a way to show that look maybe a a super advanced civilization a powerful empire like Atlantis was actually destroyed or could have been destroyed um, around this time, and then there are a bunch of different theories about where Atlantis could be. They interpret you know there there are different interpretations of what Plato meant when he said beyond the pillars of Hercules. And, um, you know, people take that to mean different things. They're looking at ancient maps and trying to figure out there are seemingly references to Atlantis on some different ancient maps. And they're trying to match that up with, you know, current day locations and stuff like that. I should add, though, on those maps, you know, these maps, by and large, these came after Plato described the story. So even if those people in Roman times or something like that may have thought this is where Atlantis must have been or something like that, it doesn't mean that they had any actual direct knowledge that this was Atlantis. They were just, they could have just been reacting to these dialogues of Plato. Um, So one interesting proposal about where Atlantis could have been is at this uh, geographical feature called the Eye of the Sahara in Western Africa. The actual name is the Rishat structure, R-I-C-H-A-T, Rishat structure. And this is sort of a, um, it's kind of a, it's a very compelling visual if you, if you Google it. It's like these circular rings. It's this sort of geological dome type formation in the Sahara and it's visible from space. It's quite a compelling, strange feature of, of the Sahara Desert. And there have been different YouTubers and things like that and researchers that have talked about that have proposed that this was the actual site of Atlantis because you have those uh, concentric circles. Uh, in Plato's description, he describes these circular moats around the center core of the city where the citadel was. And this particular geological feature basically is in around the same part of the world that potentially Atlantis could have been in, and it has that similar kind of look to it. Now, um, this, of course, this is purely, you know, this is circumstantial evidence. This isn't direct evidence. And so then you have, you know, the, the eye of the Sahara, as it's called, has been studied by archaeologists and geologists and things like that. They, by and large, believe that it was naturally created over time, which doesn't rule out the possibility someone could have had a city there or a civilization base there. However, archaeologists have found a lot of prehistoric artifacts in this region, but nothing in the centermost part of the, um, the Rishat structure. And so according to archaeologists that have studied this, this was a place where there were no major structures going into human prehistory, 
but it was a place where they made tools. And so we do have evidence of human activity there, but it's more along the lines with what is commonly understood about human prehistory, and it doesn't match up with the claims that are being made about Atlantis. Um, And so then if you look up, you, you just go to Wikipedia and look up the different theories about where Atlantis could be, and there's a whole laundry list. People have proposed Sweden and Iceland and North America, South America, Africa, I mean, Antarctica, the North Pole, literally half the world um, has been proposed as a possible, you know, place where Atlantis actually was by the people that are searching for it. Um, so, you know, so you can go into those theories as deep as you want and see what you think. Um, my personal opinion on this is that it is that Plato largely invented the details about Atlantis and that people have been on a wild goose chase ever since. I think Plato is a very creative writer from what I've learned from what I'm learning and I think that he probably really enjoyed this process of building out this fictional kind of civilization and showcasing the different elements of it that connected back to his philosophical points that he wanted to make. But what I'm really interested in about this whole debate One thing I find fascinating, I mean, I find that fascinating on just a human level, that this one philosopher wrote this story, this elaborate, seemingly mostly fictional story, in that it's for thousands of years, people have been searching for this civilization, or at least, you know, questioning whether or not this civilization was real. And I think that that's kind of a fascinating thing. I wonder what Plato would think about the impact that that's had. Um, And I also am fascinated by just the general sense of history of the time. Um, In this podcast, we've talked a lot about the ancient heroes and the mythological heroes of ancient Greece. And it's fascinating to think about what did the classical Greeks think about their own history? In this case, they believed that the Egyptians could look much further back into history than they could. Um, Or at least that's that's what Plato is alluding to in these dialogues. He even makes a joke, the, the Egyptian priest that he quotes even makes a joke about how there's no such thing as an old Greek. In other words, the Egyptians um, just had a much stronger sense of their history because they had this unbroken civilization that went much, that went further, that went much further back in time. Whereas, as we've talked about in the podcast, the Greeks had this Mycenaean era of civilization, and then there was a collapse. And the Mycenaean era faded, and you had these this dark age where we don't know much about the Greek civilization during that time, but we know that it declined. And then we have the arrival of Homer and the kind of start of um, the start of Greek history as we know it after that. But so they they really didn't have as good of an understanding. And as, and as long of a um, timeline as the Egyptians were working with. So Plato invokes that to sort of talk about this civilization, this alleged civilization of the um, Atlanteans, but also the Athenians much further back because the Greeks wouldn't have known about any of that at the time. So I'm really fascinated by just this sense of history and what the Greeks knew and didn't know and uh, and about their own kind of mythological 
past, um, about their own historical past and the, and the myths and things that they develop to kind of make sense of that. So uh, I'm definitely fascinated by all of that. And we're going to talk more about some of that. And we're definitely going to talk more about Plato and his work and what his perspective on all of this was and his motivation for all of this, because I think that really will give us a better insight into why it is that the experts don't really give a lot of credence to the idea that Atlantis was a real civilization. Um, and uh, we really have to understand who Plato was and why he was writing about these things. So I hope this gave you a good primer of the whole story and mythology and debate around Atlantis. Um, I hope it gave you a little more context. So when you listen to different things on podcasts or YouTube or or National Geographic or the History Channel or whatever it is, or Netflix, Ancient Apocalypse stuff, you kind of have an idea of the basics. So then you can filter some of the information around that. So, um, all right, everyone, thanks for listening and we'll talk soon.